We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are not going to talk right now about our upon further review. We've got some other stuff we want to talk about. It has been a wild day of college football. And of course, Billy Napier is the new head coach at Florida. The Duke job just came open. And it appears that Lincoln Riley is taking the head coaching job at Oklahoma it's not even or a USC it's saying that it appears it's 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 it looks like it's a done deal and even to the point where it's been announced that or it's been reported that Bob Stoops is going to coach Oklahoma in a bowl game so it is it is happening Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma to USC and my first reaction was huh (laughs) what yeah, it's a good response. And I think there's a lot to this, and that's what we wanted to talk about. I just wanted to kind of get it out. We're going to have some opinions. The people in our in our chat are going to have some opinions. And, of course, this the, the reason that we're doing this and not like doing a Billy Napier to Florida show is because this obviously has a greater impact on Notre Dame because this is Notre Dame's obviously the biggest rival. And like how, yeah. what happens with the USC impacts Notre Dame negatively and positively. So we're going to talk about that as well, and then we'll have a little bit of a recruiting slant on it on it also. So, Vince, first of all, did you know about this before I texted you and asked you if you want to do a show? I know you were out in the road kind of driving. It kind nope. of came out of nowhere. Nope, I, I knew nothing. And you're like, hey, you want to do a show like right now? I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> like, what are we what, – what, what, why are we doing a show early? Um, and then you told me. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, did not see this one coming in any way. Surprise! Very surprising. We've talked a lot about the fact that USC wanted to make a splash. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted a big name. Well, uh, mission accomplished. They and got they were getting passed up by Dave Aranda. Turned him down. Yeah. There was talk that Matt Campbell might turn him down. They were having the same problems that they've always had whenever they're going to head coach. And then this happens. And this is about is about a, about as good of a hire as I think USC could have made this yeah. offseason in, oh, in I, many many yeah. ways absolutely in many many ways so look i don't know what the money they're throwing at him it's going to be significant because 
he makes pretty decent money at Oklahoma. You know, not not necessarily SEC money, but he makes pretty good money at Oklahoma. Sure. And you know, I don't I don't think this is necessarily just a money move. I mean, I've been reading stories all year. John Hoover, who covers Oklahoma for SI, had a story out today talking about this hire, and he reiterated that there's just been something missing with Oklahoma all season. And uh, what kind of there's just there's a lot going on here. I mean, when you look at Lincoln Riley. Obviously, he has had a lot of success, obviously, in, in, a, in a short period of time at Oklahoma. He's had five, five, he had, well, let me see, four straight Big 12 championships. He took over in 2017 after mm-hmm. Bob Stoops retired. He was their offensive coordinator prior right. to that. So when Oklahoma made the college football playoff in 2015, Bob Stoops was the head coach. Lincoln Riley was their offensive coordinator. Took over in 2017. He had three straight 12 and two seasons. Then last year they went nine and two. His first three years they made the college football playoff each season, lost in overtime to Georgia the first year, got beat by eleven by Bama in a game that wasn't super convincing, and then in twenty nineteen just got absolutely destroyed by LSU. Right. Last year had a you know had a had a strange year last year. You know went nine and two, but you, you kind of chalk it up to COVID. You know you and I have talked a lot about. I'm not putting a lot of stock into what happened last year. You know, but you start the season one and two, and then you finish the season off with eight straight wins. They won the Big 12 championship again for the fourth straight time and then crushed Florida to bowl game. Super high expectations for the Sooners coming into the season. I was one of the people that had that. I, I really thought this was going to be a year that Oklahoma could go compete for a title. I really did. I liked the talent they had coming back on offense. Their defense had been improving. Their schedule was super favorable. And it just didn't pan out. They were just never that team. Even in wins, they weren't a super impressive team. And they just never looked like I thought that they would look. And disappointed. Had a chance to reserve a spot in the Big 12 title game last night. And couldn't get it done. And right. lost to Oklahoma yeah, they, State. They they laid an egg last night. They There's did. no question about they it. They did. And every opportunity to be in the Big 12 championship. And yeah. they just absolutely laid an egg, uh, you know, a la Wisconsin. I mean, that was just yeah. – those two games, I think, were the most disappointing to me from this past weekend. And I know we're, we're focused on Oklahoma, but it's the same situation. They win the game, they're in the Big Ten Championship. Wisconsin wins the game, they're in the Big Ten Championship. Right. It's just disappointing on both right. ends. So you look at Oklahoma and you say, okay, there's all these rumblings last week that Riley's going to take the LSU job. And last night he says, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU and the ESPN article says he remains committed to Oklahoma. There was I, I couldn't find a comment where he actually right. said that. Right. Because I was going to say, like, how do you say that last night and then say that you're, you know, then leave the next day? But you can't actually, and I couldn't, and I've been trying to find article after article about his post-game comments last night. And in none of them can I find him saying, I'm staying at Oklahoma or I'm right. committed to Oklahoma. It was just, I'm not going to be the head coach there. So Vince, it, it, it was, and it was some really cryptic stuff. It was a really interesting conversation. Well, and it's not like they reached out this morning and that he accepted to this afternoon, right? I mean, this is something that I'd had be to shocked if that happened yeah. in the works for at least a couple of days. I mean, I don't, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't I... want to speculate, but it's it's rare that you know he would get a phone call the day after he blew it in the Big 12 champ or you know with an opportunity to go to the Big 12 championship and they're like you know what that's our guy and you know let's call him up and get him um 
this had to have been in the works for a few it, days. I would think so, but part of me wonders because it was like two, three days ago that the reports were that it looked like Matt Campbell was going to be the guy. So did they get turned down by Matt Campbell and said, huh, Lincoln Riley's listening to LSU. Let's give our shot. And <laughs> it worked. I don't know. That's what's going to be really fascinating to see that come out. And and I and we're not going to – I think you all know us well enough to know that we're not going to say things as, as if they're true if we don't know. And so we don't know. So what we're sharing right. with you is our opinion. And when it's something that we know for a fact, we'll report it. But Absolutely. It just the the timing of it, the manner in which it went down, the the school that he picked is also kind of interesting. And there's the the first thought that people have is he he's afraid of going to the SEC because Oklahoma is obviously going to be leaving the Big Twelve for the SEC. And there was talks about him taking over to LSU. He turned that job down. That also would have got him in the SEC. And he's taking the job. He's taking the job at USC. What makes this fascinating for me, Vince, is I'd be surprised if he was afraid of coaching in the SEC. I think this has a, a little bit to do with something else. I think the man, what did we talk about this summer when it was reported that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving for the SEC? I said, I'm really curious how the head coaches at those school, what the head coaches of those schools think about this. Sure. The thing you have to remember about Lincoln Riley is he's a Big 12 guy through and through. Lincoln Riley's from Lubbock, Texas. He was born in Lubbock, Texas. He played quarterback at Texas Tech. The first three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of his career were in at Texas Tech. He spent four five seasons at East Carolina coaching for a guy who previously coached, he coached with at Texas Tech, right? And, and for the life of me, I cannot remember his name. You know who I'm talking about? He was the defensive coordinator at Texas Tech back in uh, – uh, why am I why am I drawing a blank on, on his name? Um, this is going to really bother me. Sorry, folks. I'm going to look it up right now. He was the D coordinator at Texas Tech. Ruffin McNeil, that's who the head coach was. That's who Lincoln Riley worked with at East Carolina. Well, Ruffin McNeil was at Texas Tech as a defensive coordinator when, when Lincoln Riley was at Texas Tech. That's how, that's how he got to East Carolina. And then what does he do? He comes back to Oklahoma, back to the Big 12. And, and so you look at it, Vince, and you say, this is a Texas guy that's Big 12 through and through, and the school he is at just left to go to the SEC, and it doesn't appear – that Lincoln Riley had any say in the matter. Right. Not that he necessarily should have or any other school would care. I I doubt that if, if Notre Dame was ready to join the ACC because Jack Swarbrick and the Board of Trustees wanted it, that they'd really care much what Brian Kelly thought about it. I think they should. I think they should absolutely care about, and especially a guy like Lincoln Riley who's young. Brian Kelly's a different story. Brian Kelly's 60. You know, he's kind of in the last yeah. few years of his, you know, what people think is going to be his final contract. It'd make more sense then even though I still think they should ask his opinion. For Lincoln Riley, this is a 38-year-old guy that you could potentially see being here for a long time. To lose him to a program like USC is tells me that he just wanted out Oklahoma. Right. That That's what it boiled down to. I think it was more that than it was him not wanting the, you know, the, the SEC smoke. Because, I mean, 
I wonder if he just was just felt betrayed by that. Like, you're going to take us. We're in a great situation here in the Big 12. We've got Texas. We've got this. We've got all of our rivals are here. And you're just going to abandon that for a money grab. I mean, yeah. he see, he knows that Oklahoma is going to have a tougher time going to the SEC. I, I, anybody would. It, you go to that league and that many teams in it, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. It, it's all about this. And, and I just feel like it, when you because like, right. So we don't know what happened, but at the same time, we're relatively intelligent human beings that can, you know, create, have some, what is it would be deductive reasoning here, Vince, right? Right. Seems to love it at Oklahoma. Tons of success. Oklahoma leaves the big 12 for the SEC reports come out about how he's his, him and his team aren't connected. Clearly he's distracted. It would seem right. And then all of a sudden he's looking at LSU. There's rumors about him going to the NFL and then he bolts for USC. Like the de- like, not even twenty four hours after his team's regular season comes to a close, he's right. gone. Yeah, that's the sign of someone who wasn't afraid of the SEC. That's someone who wanted out of Oklahoma. Because here's the deal: there's no way Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC before twenty twenty three. Right, he could be super picky about whatever job he wants. There's going to be NFL jobs coming open. There's going to be jobs this year, jobs next year. The fact that he bolted for a USC right after the season tells me that he just wanted out of Oklahoma. Exactly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that, Vince? No, I think I think you know that was the biggest red flag to me when Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave the Big Twelve to go to the SEC. Is that I don't think they consulted with any of the coaches. Um, and again, that's speculation on my part. It just felt like it was a board decision or a president's decision, and it was a, hey, well, this is what we think is best uh, because we're going to be cashing some massive paychecks. Um, and I I think that the communication probably wasn't there and if you're Lincoln Riley and you feel like you're 
you know, where you're, wherever you, wherever you believe you land on the hierarchy of importance at Oklahoma, I think that took a, that took a shot. It took a beating. And that means something. Look, head coaches at football schools want to be consulted. They want to be a part of the decision-making process and to pick up and move everybody over to the SEC to a new conference with different points of emphasis. I'll just say that. Okay. That's a huge decision. And mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like the consultation was there across the board. And I think that for lack of a better term, I think it pissed him off. Mm-hmm. Now there could be more involved than just that one decision, but I'm that didn't help. Um, I, I don't think it helped at all. And so I, I think that that was, you know, I'm not happy at Oklahoma. I think that there was disarray with the team this year. And I think that kind of starts at the top because I don't know that Lincoln Riley was all that in. I don't think he was a hundred percent in this year at Oklahoma because I think he was pretty ticked off. Um, and now that we see this, ha- I don't know that I would have come to this conclusion without today's news, but now that you have this information, we know that he's leaving less than 24 hours after his last game where Oklahoma, frankly, looked disinterested in that game last night. That starts at the top and you start to look back. You start to look back at everything else that's been going on this season. It just, I don't know. It, it kind of lines up for me that maybe he wasn't all in because he was look. he was starting to maybe have one eye elsewhere. So yeah, I, um, I think, I don't, I don't know. know if I'd say they looked disinterested as they just look discombobulated like they have all year. I mean, they, they've, they've looked, they look like a team that was just winning because they had better players than the teams they went against. And the, and if you think about it, the two, the two teams they played this year that you look at and say, well, that that's a really well coached football team. It's Baylor and Oklahoma state and they sure. lost both games and the offense didn't play well in either game. I mean, they had some decent numbers last night, but you know, they had 33 points last night, but their offense didn't score 33 points last night. They had a defensive touchdown and they had a special teams that set up one. And so it, it, it was clearly that the, it was, it was a, there was some sort of disconnect between him and, and Oklahoma. And now you right. want to say, look, you, once the season starts, you got to put all that behind you and coach and all that, but that's much easier said than done. When it's like with players, when you feel like your coach has betrayed you and you've lost that trust, it's hard to just commit to going out every day and doing the best that that you can do. I don't think this is just a money move. If Lincoln Riley wanted to make a money move, he would have stayed in Oklahoma or he would have taken the LSU job or he would go to the NFL. I think this is he wanted out of Oklahoma, but he also wanted to land somewhere that made sense. And and, and I've said, I don't think LSU that I don't know how LSU would have, he would have fit in LSU. I don't know if that's necessarily a great move. I think going to USC is a good move for him, but it also is a move that further sets up an opportunity for him to leave for the NFL. That's what I think. Uh, So, I mean, we're going to see how all this plays out, Vince, but I I don't think this was a money move. I don't think this was him being afraid of the SEC move. Yeah. It's just, I just think he wanted out. So that's what it feels like to me as well. I, I look, he's a young, confident coach. Why would he be mm -hmm. afraid of the SEC? Like, I don't, I don't see that being the case. That's just fan talk to me. And of course, SEC fan talk, you know, I mean, look. I think the SEC had a role in it, but I don't think it was about being afraid of the SEC. Number one is just using some common sense. How is my program where we recruit the 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 Southwest and the West Coast and a little bit of the Southeast, how are we going to necessarily benefit greatly by jumping to the SEC and, and playing a gauntlet every week? You know what I mean? Like we, 
to me, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And we said so when they made the decision. It was 100%. It was a money move. And I also think, here's the other thing, it was a bad look for Oklahoma because it looked like Oklahoma was just being dragged by their, you know what, by Texas to the SEC. Right, exactly. Whatever you say, Texas, we'll do whatever you want to do. And if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm like, seriously? Right, exactly. You know, so. I mean, and if you look at it from Lincoln Riley's perspective, like, who's Texas? You know what I mean? He understands what they are and everything, but like, They've owned Texas. They've been relevant in 20 years. Exactly. That's right. exactly my point. It's like, why are we yeah. following them when they should be following us? Like, that's the mentality that I would have if I was him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think he was ticked off. And if you go to USC, you got an opportunity to be the top dog in your conference. Right. right? I mean, you right. got Oregon, obviously, maybe UCLA. But I mean, if USC gets big again, you are the top dog. Right. So that's. That's the opportunity sitting in front of him at USC. Right. And now it's what's going to be interesting now is where does Oklahoma go? Yeah. Do they promote from within? Which I think, honestly, as I look at their staff, it, there's not a lot of uh, overwhelming options. Like there's no Lincoln Riley for Lincoln Riley, right? Because right. when Bob Stoops left, it was clear. You've got this hot shot young offensive coordinator. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, he's out. So, man, I got to I got to tell you, I I curious what they do next. And here's the other thing too: is does you Oklahoma are they gonna? There's two options for Oklahoma. Number one is you make a reactionary hire, and you do something quick, right? It's, it's, you know, Hey, let's, let's go hire promote from within, or let's quickly go out and get a name because we have to, I've seen people talk about Matt Campbell and because, you know, now all the rumors are going to fly out. I mean, in our, in our chat, I've seen Cliff Kingsbury. I've seen Mike Leach. I've seen Mark Stoops. I've seen, I mean, I'm saying Sonny Dykes. I saw Sonny Dykes. Josh Heupel is one that I've seen from other people. And it's just kind of like, those those would all be reactionary hires. Take your time. That's the yeah, key absolutely. for Oklahoma. You got to make this right. Cause you're about to jump in the sec in two years. And and there, if you make this, let me just finish real quick. Yeah, go ahead. If you make the wrong move now and you make the wrong hire going into the sec, you will plummet and your yeah. program will go back to Gary Gibbs, Jeff Blake days. Right. That's why this hire is so important. And they're starting from them. scratch. I mean, they, they they were not anticipating having to hire a coach right now. So yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. And and look, you, we always talk about the AD having like a list of names. What, in the, and uh, I bet in you this AD did with as many times as Lincoln Riley's flirted with the NFL. I'll bet you he's got a list of names. Sure, but it, it just got serious. You know what yes. I mean? Because there there are other big jobs open, or at least there were right. before today. Well, LSU's and, still open. L- right? yep, There's right, going right. to be some NFL jobs coming open. Oh, yeah. Always that are, are. Be about a third of the jobs people. that are usually open in the NFL. Yeah. And so there, there's going to be competition. So it's not like you can just sit back and wait for the dust to settle and then go pick who you want. I mean, you have right. to, you, this has to be a very smart, very deliberate uh, process if I'm Oklahoma. Because, right. in my opinion, Oklahoma is the best job that's open right now. I would agree with that. So I would agree with that because we're talking LSU. Time. We're talking. I would even argue if if Lincoln Riley went to the NFL, USC was still open, Florida was still open, 
I'd say Oklahoma is the best job in their current situation. I don't think Oklahoma is the best job available at once they make it to the SEC. That's the one thing that I'll say is I don't, and that's what I think changes this whole dynamic. If Oklahoma staying in the Big Twelve, that 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 would be the best job available right now, in my opinion. Especially with the Big Twelve getting better. I mean, Mike Gundy's doing a good job. Dave Aranda's doing a really good job. He's making Baylor better. I mean, your league would have was to me the league was ascending, and and I think that once you take Oklahoma and Texas out, it's it's just it's going to quickly become a, a, an irrelevant league. And I don't think Oklahoma is going to be prepared to thrive in the SEC without Lincoln Riley if they don't make the right hire. And that's why they have to take the, their time with this. I mean, because yeah. whoever it is, is going to be there when they make the transition to the SEC. Right. And so that that's going to be super important. Get your success in the Big 12 while you're there to springboard yourself to hopefully some, hopefully for them, success in the SEC. So mm-hmm. it, this is a hugely important, hugely mm-hmm. important hire for them. No and we're going to see internet rumors of every single coach with any sort of remote connection to Oklahoma. So that's why Cliff Kingsbury, because he used to coach at Oklahoma. We're going to see Brent Venables. I just saw someone say. Somebody said we're Brian gonna... Kelly and Jeff Quinn, too. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I think we're, both were jokes, but still. they were jokes. We're going to, yeah, you know, Mike Leach. I'm saying, you know, Mike, because Mike Leach coached there. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of hires, and so what Oklahoma does next is going to be fascinating. Let's talk. Let's talk about what this means for USC. We said at the beginning. I I don't know if they could have. I don't know if they could have come up with a better situation. Now, assuming he stays at least for four or five years, if he comes and leaves in two years for an NFL job, then this doesn't all of a sudden become as enticing, right? It's, it's now you're, you're starting from scratch again, but if he stays, boy, you know, this is a good move for Oklahoma. Now I'm not, I'm not someone or for Oak for USC. I'm not someone who believes Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal head coach. I think Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal offensive mind. I, I don't know if he's necessarily a phenomenal head coach, and, and we've seen it because his inability to do anything to make the defense better. And they haven't necessarily been great in big games, playoff, not just playoff games, but, you know, they've they've gotten beat by Iowa State a couple times. You know, they've had some you – know, he's lost the Red River shootout uh, uh, more than he should have when you consider how – yes, that's what I called it. You, yes, it will always be that. Uh you know, I mean, let's be honest. He should have never, he should have never lost a game to Oklahoma or Texas in his five years. Texas has never been good, and yet Texas has beat him what twice since he's been there. Once as OC, once as head coach, right? And you know, I. But I think for USC, it's it's still a very strong hire because he's going to attract. There's been. Look, here's look. Think about how many. Think about the Heisman Trophy candidates coming into the season. Everybody's talking about Bryce Young, DJ. Say it, Vince. Uwe Ungalale. Right. You you look at all these quarterbacks, and a lot of them are California kids that have left the state. Right. West Coast kids that have left the West Coast. I mean, he got he got Spencer Rattler from Arizona. Right. He just got a commitment in the 2023 class from from Malachi Nelson who's from California. And now you look at it and say, well, 
th- this is the best chance USC has to keep some of those big time West Coast quarterbacks in state because now USC just became a super attractive job or place if you're a big time quarterback. No, absolutely. Now the question's going to be how many of the kids from Oklahoma follow him, which it's much. This is going to be the first Real easy to do. of of coaching carousels with an open transfer market. That's going to be fascinating. Does he take Caleb Williams with him? Or does he say, I'm going to go with Jackson Dart and try to flip Malachi Nelson from Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Because Malachi Nelson was down to USC in Oklahoma. Yeah, it'd be an easy flip. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. So that's the that's going to be the interesting thing for me is this is going to have a big impact in recruiting. And 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 it's going to impact the, the Pac-12 a ton. Now, what does Oregon do in response, right? What does is, what is UCLA do in response? I mean, it's going to have a ripple effect of, okay, you got to figure something out now, you know, and, and that's going to be interesting to see how the Pac-12 handles that. Because, again, I don't think that Lincoln Riley is a great coach. I think he's a really good head coach, with a, but a great offensive mind. Does that? I mean, is that fair, well, Vince? I mean, and I think somebody in the chat mentioned something that I think is, is important to, to think about. Can he rebuild? Because yes. he he inherited a heck of a program from Bob Stoops at Oakland. Yeah, they were a playoff team two years before he became the head coach. Right. They went 12-2 the year before he became the head coach. Which is why we were all surprised that Bob Stoops stepped down when he did. And, you know... Can he – because, look, USC is a rebuild from the bottom up. And, and yes, you can do that with, with recruits. You can do that with the transfer portal. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it now, and I think it's probably easier now. It'll take less time now than it would have 10 years ago. But it's still the, – the question is still out there. Can he rebuild a program? Okay? We, we know that he can take a program that's already good and keep them good, right, and keep them in the conversation. But can he build? And having the brand of USC is obviously going to be important. There's no question. He is situated in a great place geographically. That's important. You're, you're muted, by the way. I'm not sure what you just said. I said because we know at Oklahoma he knows how to sell branding. Yeah, That's absolutely. He did a good job there, there. No question. So we know he's a good recruiter, okay? It's number one, can he rebuild things? And number two, can he hire somebody that's going to put together a good defense? Because mm-hmm. if he can't, they're just they're going to be Washington State, right? You know, they're, they're just going to be Oklahoma of the Pac-12. They're right. going to dominate the Pac-12, Which, get to the postseason, and lose again. Yeah, exactly. I, that's not good enough, right? I mean, maybe it's good enough for USC fans. I don't know, but I highly doubt it. It'll be good know? enough for them the first couple times, but then right, just because, like Oklahoma yeah. fans, it's like we're Oklahoma. Why are we always getting beat? Yeah. You know, very similar things that Notre Dame fans say is like, "Hey, you're Notre Dame. You shouldn't just be happy getting there and getting pounded." Right, because exactly. if you think Notre Dame's had bad playoff appearances, go back and look at what Oklahoma's last playoff appearance against LSU. Well, that they was have, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. So it's that part's going to be interesting. But so let's talk a little bit, Vince, about what this means for Notre Dame because I think this is a, a fascinating piece, and we're going to get into the. We have a lot of questions about the recruiting piece, and we'll talk. We'll talk about that here. But in some ways, and this is this might be an unpopular opinion, in some ways I think this is really good for Notre Dame as long as Notre Dame can continue growing as a program. This is going to put a lot of pressure on Brian Kelly to make sure he makes some really good offseason decisions, meaning you need to make some changes at a couple yeah. spots, yeah. right? You've got to really rethink your West Coast recruiting staff. Who do I have going out West and battling with Lincoln Riley and whoever he's going to hire? 
Sure. Do you really think it's just Brian Poley and Dell Alexander's your answer? Is that really what you think you're going to be able to go out west and battle with them for? I don't think so. So that's going to be an interesting conversation to have. And now also football-wise, you're going to have to you know USC is going to be more serious now. They're going to be a threat now. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't exactly pounded USC the last three times they've played. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, when you look at this year, they beat them convincingly, but USC was charging back, and this was a bad USC team you beat by 15. Sure. In 2019, Notre Dame played them at home. That was a game Notre Dame led early, and USC charged all the way back. Notre Dame won by a touchdown. 2018, that was a 5-7 and seven USC team that was leading Notre Dame for about half the game. Notre Dame ended up pulling away late. They needed that late wheel route to Tony Jones to win that one. And then, of course, in 2017, Notre Dame pounded them. But that was actually the only good USC team that Notre Dame faced during that stretch, True. which is kind of interesting. So you look at it and say, you know, USC is going to be a threat now and, and, and a challenge now. And I think moving forward, that's good for Notre Dame. Because, number one, it forces Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, if Lincoln Riley does at USC what you and I think he's going to do at USC, Brian Kelly just can't get by on beating mediocre USC and Stanford teams every year, which is pretty much what they've done the last five years. They've played – since 2016 to now, they've played two good USC teams. They pounded one of them and got pounded by the other in mm -hmm. 2016. The last three USC teams have not been good. And it's not a coincidence that Notre Dame's ascendant started as USC and Stanford went down. That's not the only reason Notre Dame went up, but it was part of it that allowed Notre Dame to ascend quicker, and it really hurt USC and Stanford. Well, now USC is going to be good, which means you now have to you now have a program that you have to measure yourself against on your schedule every year. Yeah, if you handle that correctly, that's a good thing for you as a program. Yep, because you're you get exposed if you have holes; they get exposed before you get on the big stage and get whooped. Right, and number two, when Notre Dame beats USC. We're not going to be having these conversations about well, who did Notre Dame beat? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and that helps Notre Dame. I mean, right yep. now we're like, we're, we're, we're praying for Wisconsin to beat Minnesota so that Notre Dame can have a win over a nine and three Wisconsin team. And we're praying that Purdue can jump into the top 25 at eight and four. Right. If you have a USC team on your schedule, that is what USC is supposed to be. And you beat them. Notre Dame's now got a top 10 win or a right. top 15 win. Well, and if everybody and thinks good that USC is going to be so good so fast. Okay. Let's, let's just, Let's let's go with the hypothetical that Lincoln Riley goes in, gets an amazing recruiting class, pulls in all these, you know, transfer portal guys, whatever, right? And he's ready to roll in 2022. Well, mm -hmm. it's not going to be a problem on Notre Dame's schedule next year as far as strength of schedule is concerned because you got at Ohio State, you got Clemson, and then you got USC. Right. So you're going to have three. And let's pretend that Notre Dame wins all three of those games or maybe loses one of them close or whatever. Well, Let's say they go strength, two and one with a competitive strength. The loss. schedule for right. that schedule is going to be off the charts. Right. And the fact that Notre Dame doesn't play FCS teams and all of those different conversations that we've had a million times, that will not be a conversation that will ever come up from the talking heads because they can't. Mm -hmm. Right. So look, I don't ever want to lose to USC. I don't ever want to lose to them, but I can tell you right now, some of the best games I've been to have been Notre Dame USC. I mean, right. that you know, that, the, those are just that's a heated rivalry it's great when the other team is good it makes you better and it i like yes. i love the fact that you brought that up because it's a great measuring tool and it will force 
decisions to be made, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because yeah. you have to keep up with them. Because if you don't, what are you going to do? Right. Because that's an easy recruiting tactic against Notre Dame. Well, they can't beat USC, so why would right. you leave California to go to Notre Dame? Come, right. come be a Trojan, wear those ugly colors. Like right. that's that's the recruiting pitch. So it works, right? right? So you have you have to up your game, man. You know, if anybody's played a sport and you've got a rival, and you know, it, it's man, I bet they're pumping iron right now. So I better get into the gym and pump some iron. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It just it right. makes you better. Well, I mean, anyone that I grew like up it. in the '80s with Magic and Bird has heard right. that story a million times. Magic's yes. like, I got to shoot shoot a ten thousand jump shots a day. Because Larry Bird shooting ten thousand jump shots, and Larry Bird saying the same thing. I got to go out and put in this work because I know Magic's putting in this work. Right, and that's what rivalries do. I mean, it makes you Absolutely. better. And Notre Dame hasn't had that in five years. You know, I mean, you because USC just hasn't been that program really since twenty seventeen, and Stanford hasn't been that program, and Navy's just Navy's Navy. Right. And, and so yeah. I think in that regards, this is good for Notre Dame. The other thing is people say, well, you know, the West Coast, Notre Dame is going to get killed on the West Coast now. Uh, not if you make the right hires, because let's not forget, Notre Dame still went out in the West Coast and got big time players in the 2000s when Pete Carroll was winning championships. Right. I mean, where Jimmy, Jimmy Clausen come from, Sear Wood. You know, uh, what's the I, – I can't believe I'm, – I'm having a rough day with my memory, right? Derek <laughs> Landry. A thousand times Derek Landry, mine. you know, yeah. who they got out there from uh, De La Salle during a time when USC was a big-time program. Chris Fromm. I mean, the list is long of West Coast kids. Notre Dame got – Notre Dame's always going to be able to get some West Coast kids, but you can look at Notre Dame's roster right now, and there will be West Coast kids that you're like, I don't know if they get him if USC's legit. Right now, one of the questions we have, let's go some super chats, Vince, because we have a lot of a lot of super chats guys asking this very question. So give me Let's one see. second. Uh K Grant you. with the super chat. Thank you, K Grant. A lot of CJ Williams talk in the chat. Can you speak on it? Um well, I'm going to, but I want to get all the CJ Williams <laughs> stuff out now. Jesse Ferguson, thank you for your super chat. A bit concerned that Riley to USC could help sway CJ Williams. I know USC has been recruiting him hard and seems to be keeping his options open. Got a couple more. By the way, Mike Nolan, thank you for your super chat, Mike. I appreciate that very, very much. And then I believe we had another CJ Williams one down here that we'll get to. Nope, that is it. So we'll get yep. to the other. The other one was not a a, a link no. a, a one there. So we'll, we'll Corey D. We see yours. We'll get to yep. that here in a second. Okay, cool. So when you look at the when when you look at the C.J. Williams one, Vince, it's like yeah, this is one that's probably going to hurt you, right? I mean, C.J. Williams is talking about visiting USC and he UCLA was already looking. he was already looking. when they didn't have a head coach right. and they were going in the midst of a what are they four and seven now. Terrible. You just hired Lincoln Riley in a system that's going to for four thousand yards a year, and actually be good. Yeah, I mean that was a kid that me was looking for a reason to stay out west. I don't think Notre Dame, uh, the position coach, has done a great job of making sure you stay all over him and keep Mm -hmm. convincing him of what's going on. I I mean, yeah, I I can understand why he'd be looking around with the circumstance we've seen. You know, Notre Dame talking about taking a transfer, grad transfer receiver, a transfer receiver. Why would you do that before signing day? Why would you do that, period, number one, with everybody you could? I mean, wait till you see who, if Austin and Lindsey and Davis are coming back first before you start worrying about transfer receivers. Right. But there's just been typical dropped ball situations out on, you know, receivers out there. 
so yeah, I, I, at this point in time now, this is not necessarily Intel that I'm giving you. This is what I've heard. And before Lincoln Riley was hired and deducing what that's probably going to mean, I don't know if that's going to go over well. It's going to end up very well for Notre Dame when it comes to the C.J. Williams recruitment because, as you said, Vince, he was already looking at USC before yep. they hired Lincoln Riley. Right. Yep. Yep, so, that's exactly right. And now it's yeah. just like I, it feels to me because I wasn't overly worried about him taking visits. Okay, whatever. It didn't look good, but – you know, Notre Dame is in theory, they're they're all all the coaches are out on the West Coast, they're making in-home visits, blah, 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 blah. They could go over there, they could solidify it, make it happen. This this Lincoln Riley thing just feels like the tipping point, right? It's the straw that broke the camel's back. And if if he's looking for a reason, now he's got it. And it would have been so much better if USC would have hired a defensive-oriented person to be the head coach. Uh, but they didn't. They 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 hired a guy that wants to throw the ball four thousand yards a game, mm-hmm. and, or I mean a season. And if you're a receiver, why would you not want to play in that offense? So right. I mean, I get it. I I told I I don't have to like it, but I get it. You know what I mean? And you know it's 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 not a good look for Notre Dame. It's not a great situation for Notre Dame. But you know what though? If if Brian Kelly's the fighter and he's the head coach that we hope that he is on the recruiting trail, mm-hmm. you better not go down without a fight, man. Like right. I'm pitching a tent on his front lawn if I have to, and I'm showing him that I'm all in for him. You just went and, full Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like there's no no shame in the game, man. Like you do what you need to do to get him from red to uh, blue and gold. And mm-hmm. not the crimson and whatever else colors that they have over on in Southern Cal. Like mm-hmm. you need to do what you need to do to get him signed. Period. Because right. it's super easy for him to leave too once he's signed. So right. you gotta put the effort in. And, it, and you know what? If you lose, but you put the effort in, then you know what? He didn't want to come anyway, and it is what it is. But man, don't right. just like, well, I guess we don't get him. You know, I guess we got to move on to somebody else. Like, that's going to just make me very upset. What's going to get interesting is there's a few West Coast kids that I'm now. Notre Dame needs. Look, this is this is I'm talking to you as a coach now, not someone who's got intel specific to these kids, because the guy just got hired an hour ago. Right. Right. Like, right. there, There is no intel at this point in time. There's speculation. But here's how a coach needs to handle this. So Brian Kelly, he needs to be on Zoom like right now, this whole staff. Okay, what's our plan for all of our West Coast kids? And what's all of our plans for every kid that had an Oklahoma offer? Yep. Right? Well, you know, Tyson Ford, I'm not too worried about it. But okay, so you look at USC. They have seven position players committed in their 2022 class right now. Seven. Eight total, one's a kicker. Seven position players. Lincoln Riley's in a situation where, number one, he can take a lot of grad transfer or transfers, but he's also going to have a lot of room to just take recruits and not have to worry about filling up or replacing kids that were already in the class. He only had seven kids. So he can just kind of go out and try to flip as many kids as he can, and however he doesn't get by December signing day, he can then start looking at transfers. They have seven? Seven position players. Eight recruits. One of them's a kicker. Seven position players committed. And two receivers, an offensive lineman, a defensive end, and three defensive backs. Now, their defensive back class is pretty good. They got Fabian Ross, who's a safety from Las Vegas. Jaden Gould, if you remember, is a corner from from New Jersey, who Notre Dame was looking at. And then Ephesians Prysock, who is from uh, Bishop Al Al Manny in California. He's a teammate of Junior 2 Alamaca. 
So I'm looking out there. So okay, we need to make sure that we're our, we got we're in front of Tobias Merriweather. We need to be uh, CJ Williams. We need to be talking to Jadarian Price, who had a, a USC offer. We need to be talking to to Jaden Mickey. We need to be talking to Benjamin Morrison. Like those five kids, and oh, and Junior Tui Alamaka. Those six kids need to become major priorities about where do they stand, and reminding them about why they picked Notre Dame because. If you're Lincoln Riley, I would imagine you're going to just start kind of looking, okay, who on the West Coast can we talk to? Now, he didn't recruit Tobias Merriweather at Oklahoma. That helps. Oklahoma actually was Tobias Merriweather's favorite school, but they didn't recruit him. That helped Notre Dame. USC didn't really recruit him until late, but USC got involved. So I, I don't know how Tobias is going to handle that. This again, this is just me looking at it from Notre Dame's point of view. Sure, I don't know how he's going to handle that. So you preemptively get on him before it becomes an issue. Because if you wait until USC reaches out, and if you wait until they start looking and talking and developing that relationship, that's going to be too late. And that's the that's what Notre Dame has to avoid right now. Yep. Is don't wait for it to become a problem be proactive. The problem is, is with the receivers coach, he's not a proactive guy. So it all kind of falls on the shoulders of Tommy Reese when it comes to the offense. Well, Tommy Reese is trying to finish this class out. I mean, he, you know what I mean? And now he's going to have to focus on this. So it got it, that part of it. Vince is going to get super, super interesting for Notre Dame. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They're going to have to hold on to the to the the commits in this class hard. You're going to you're going to have mm-hmm. to hold on for dear life and get to what? When is it? December? What is the signing day? I think it's like 19th or something 19th, like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, here, I'll look it up while you're talking. No, either, either way. Yeah, you're you're going to be holding on to this class for dear life and hoping to get these guys signed and into your class, and then you got to start worrying 15th. about the 23s. The 15th? You basically have okay. two weeks, a little over two weeks. That's an eternity in this day and age, right? right. I mean, <laughs> you've got so much to do. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a very interesting next week and a half to two weeks for sure. Um, and again, Notre Dame needs to do what they need to do. They don't have a mm-hmm. game to prepare for. You know, like some of these other teams have to do. Obviously, Lincoln Riley doesn't have a game to prepare for either. Okay, right. so he's going to hit the ground running. Yeah, because he's not going to have anything to do with their game against Cal this weekend. Because USC has a game this weekend, but he's oh, not going right. to do with do, it. But he's, he's not going to take over yet. and coach a team up for a game no. next week. And they're not bowl eligible. Right. Right. So yeah, 
It doesn't like that's yeah. just that's that's a moot point, man. Like I'm I'm moving into the head coach's office and I'm I'm making phone calls and I'm actually mm-hmm. if I'm him I'm on the road. Like right. they're they're allowed to be on the road, right? So I'm I'm gassing up the USC jet and I'm going to wherever I need to go mm-hmm. and I'm I'm making I'm making in-home visits, man. You know, hey, get me some Nike gear, let's go. I'm out. You know, I'm going to get some mm-hmm. recruits. Like that's what he needs to be doing because uh, that's what I would do. You know, hey, I'll take the job. Uh, where do I sign? And where's the jet? Because I got right. stuff to do. You know what I mean? So that's there, that's what I'd be doing. For Notre Dame, for me, Vince, there's only one kid that I'm calling right now. And that's it. I am, hey, Jake Taylor, offensive lineman from Nevada. That's right. Because right, he committed to Oklahoma, right? And Right. And you talk to him, you stay on him, because here's the deal. If... If Bill Bedenball leaves Oklahoma to go with Lincoln Riley, and I have no idea if he's going to. I'm just making the point. Because a lot of times when a head coach leaves and he coaches a side of the ball, he normally likes to take as many assistants on that side of the ball with him as he can. Yeah. Right. Of course. So if he takes Bill Bedenball with him, Jake Taylor becomes very attractive at that point in time. And I don't know if – I mean, you say, I don't know if they have room because they're trying to recruit Billy Stroud. Make room. Yeah, absolutely. Because didn't didn't Taylor's mom really like Notre Dame's? Do I, am I remembering that right? Or was that some, maybe that, that was, was somebody else? That was Zach Rice's mom, I think. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. But he was it was Notre Dame, Alabama, and Oklahoma was his final three. He'd be the one guy. Like Nicholas Anderson, I mean, you know, you could maybe flip him, but he, he may just end up going to USC or he may stay at Oklahoma. I don't love Nicholas Anderson. I don't think flipping him moves the needle at all. Right. Gavin Sawchuck's a nice player, but I, you know, I, I've always, I thought he was slightly better than Jadarian Price when they were juniors. Jadarian has leaped him as seniors. He's better than Gavin Sawchuck. And I, I don't know if they need a second back, depending on where their current roster is. It's not worth the, it's worth the phone call because they're recruiting his younger brother. So why not? Right. That's about it for me. When it comes to who I would look at from there, that's about it, is those two guys. Your priority right now needs to be making sure that you fend off Lincoln Riley and yes. USC, but also see if there's a couple kids from Oklahoma that you could maybe right. have some success with. But really, the only one for me, Gavin Saltra got at least worth a phone call, and then Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor is the big one, though. For me. Oh, yeah, that's that would be huge. One. No, I completely agree. So, so basically, you're fighting a two-front war. Right. You're 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 right. you're checking on Oklahoma and then you're also trying to keep your own guys in house. I mean, you got right. to keep your guys. You have to. You have to because too much Notre Dame's recruiting class feels like a sieve right now. Um, and and that's not that's not good. Yeah, I wouldn't go there just because I think there's really only two guys that you you know, three guys that you may lose. I think what where where correct me if I'm wrong, Vint, but perhaps it's more of a. It's just not a strong finish. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to get in a wonk puh. You're not. They were get in place Lucas. to have a really strong finish, and it didn't yeah. occur. And it's not going to happen. Yeah, right. I agree. And, and yeah. I wouldn't say it's a sieve. I mean, because that means they're going to lose like five, six. No, guys. That, it, you make a good point because it's. It was. I was confident in the guys that they had in the class, and I was hoping they were going to add two, maybe three more. And they don't. They're not adding any more, and it looks like they're mm-hmm. going to lose a couple. So it feel it maybe, feels maybe could lose a couple. It feels like a loss yeah. of like four or five. Does that make sense? Right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the emotional feel that I got out of it. 
Yeah, I get that. It's just kind of that uh, not a great finish kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a sieve because I mean, they, first of all, they haven't lost anybody that they wanted to keep. Uh, and yeah, but you could. I mean, it could get to that point. But you know, there's three guys that may leave. You worry about a Moran Walker. You worry about C.J. Williams, and you worry about Junior Tuilamaka. Junior said recently that he is locked in to Notre Dame. Yeah, but again, that was. That was if look, if any of these kids told you a week ago that they're solid to Notre Dame, that's out the window. You start from scratch, basically. Right. I mean, that's how they need to handle this. They need to they need to start from scratch and say, we've got to out recruit them from now until signing day. Right. Because the odds are if these kids aren't sure by December 15th, they're gonna just wait until February. Good point. And and, and that's the concern for Notre Dame. Yeah. So, Absolutely. It, yeah. This it, is it's, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be interesting. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's, it's so, going to get real interesting. Quite, quite a day, Vince. Quite a, quite a day of college football. Uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> and this one is this one. Like I said, this could end up being really good for Notre Dame, or it could end up being the trigger to getting Notre Dame back to kind of where they were before 2017. And it's all going to depend on. If Brian Kelly just says, "Hey, we're fine. We don't need to do anything different," that's a that's, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. If Brian Kelly takes an aggressive, like, "Okay, you want to hire Lincoln Riley? Okay, cool. Let look what I'm going to do." Right, and that's going to be that's going to determine whether or not he's going to be able to they're able to continue this trend. You need to keep pushing hard so that way USC's got even further to go to catch up to. Absolutely. You. Yes, raise the bar. And that, man. that doesn't just include football and recruiting. It includes your staff. It includes your facilities. It includes everything. He's got to keep pushing the, the envelope. And that's why I always get nervous when Brian Kelly starts talking about how great of a job he's doing. Because if you think you're doing a great job and you're trying to convince everybody in the world that you've done a phenomenal job this year, it tells me that you haven't, that you're trying to justify not meeting expectations. Yep. And and that's not what champions do. Champions say, okay, we didn't win a title. It wasn't good enough. We gotta do we gotta do figure out what we gotta do better. And who's not getting the job done? And we got sorry, buddy, love you, but we gotta move on without you. Yeah. So that's it's gonna tell us a lot. And this is a big this is a Notre Dame fans not may may not realize it, but this is a big opportunity and a big moment for Notre Dame to say. Okay, how are you going to respond? USC just said, "Hey, I, I I'll see your Brian Kelly and the success you've had, and I'll raise you Lincoln Riley." Yeah. That's basically what they've done. So then, what is yeah. Brian Kelly's response going to be? And that's what we're going to have to find out. Yep, absolutely. we we had a, another super chat here, Vince, from Corey D that I wanted to get to before we get out of here. Here we go. He says it is now imperative that Notre Dame hires Marcus Freeman or Bob Stoops in a couple of years. Someone who will make a splash need to stay ahead of USC. Do you agree? Vince, you want to go ahead and start off with that one? Well, I mean, I I, I think Bob Stoops is is still a really good coach. Um, I don't know that he's looking to take another job, but him going back and doing Oklahoma on an interim basis is is a whole other conversation. Of it's very telling. Yeah, I think so too. And he still has um, a bit of that itch. Exactly. That's exactly right. But I still think Marcus Freeman is the guy for Notre Dame at the, at the moment. As I sit here on November twenty eighth, I still I still think that he's the guy, and I do think that that's one other thing that I would be doing if I'm Jack Swarbrick is I'm calling up Marcus Freeman and I'm like, look, man, because look, we all talked about the fact that 
Marcus Freeman's going to want to stay in the Midwest and, you know, he's a Midwest guy and all these different things. Well, Oklahoma is a little closer to the Midwest than a lot of these other schools. Okay. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to go. And I don't think that would be the kind of guy they would look for at, at least right fair. away. And that's yeah, fair. At least hey, right away. At the same time, just, just too many big openings for me. If I'm Jack Swarbrick and if right. I have any intention of keeping Marcus Freeman as the eventual head coach, I'm making a phone call. Okay. Right. And I'm, I'm putting that in place. And, and that's, yep. that's how I feel about it. That that's what I would do because you've got him here. He's got Notre Dame on his chest right now. Mm-hmm. Let do what you need to do to keep that being the case, because I've seen what I need to see from a recruiting situation and from an on the field coaching situation for me, the, mm-hmm. for Vince. Okay. I've seen it. I was a little skeptical at first, but I was going to, mm-hmm. you know, give them the year. They're a top, 11 defense i think right now after the game okay mm-hmm. i'm ready to make that call i'm, I'm ready yeah. to do that so and they're top 10 amongst power five teams right and score so, defense you know what what more do you want in your first year as the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator i realize he inherited some stuff but he's also mm-hmm. making do with guys playing out of position for what he really wants to do defensively mm-hmm. and he is recruiting for that okay mm-hmm. i'm sorry He's the future face of your program. You've got to make a call. So that's what yeah. I, that's that's what I would do because eventually somebody's going to sweeten the pot enough that he will leave if he doesn't have guarantees at Notre Dame. Agree. I like this comment from Rob that off back up the Brinks <laughs> trucks Brinks truck now to keep Freeman. I, I want to respond to this comment right here from Justin Johnson. Stoops isn't coaching Notre Dame. I don't see Bob Stoops coaching Notre Dame, but it is a a well. It's not. It's not a really. It's it's a poorly kept secret. Yeah. That if Bob Coach was ever going to come out of coaching, that Notre Dame is one of the jobs he's always covered. He almost took the job in two thousand nine. That's what a lot of people don't know. Bob Stoops, like, actually verbally agreed to take the Notre Dame job and was like, "No, I'm not done yet at Oklahoma." And yeah. I mean, he's a Catholic. He's a Catholic kid from Northeast Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Trust me, there's a strong attraction there. I don't know if Notre Dame would necessarily make that move. I don't know if that is the move to make, unless you just don't think Marcus Freeman is ready, which is you know fine. But if Notre Dame, if the Notre Dame head coaching job opens up in the next two years, and Bob Stoops is currently not a head coach somewhere, that's absolutely a job he would strongly, strongly right. consider. So. Again, I don't see it happening because timing is so important when it comes to these coaching hires. But, you know, like some NFL teams are like, why couldn't have Oklahoma decided to go the NFL or the SEC a year earlier? Because then maybe we might have Lincoln Riley as our head coach in in the NFL, right? There's a lot of teams that hired head coaches last year that are like, man, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, why did this happen earlier? Yep. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting, Vince. So that's going to do it for this. this actually, we got um, Patrick Barnes with a super update on receiver recruiting. Seems like all the receivers that left, we would be recruiting more of them this cycle. There's some guys their name is in on. None of them are going to fill the void that you would lose right. if, if C.J. Williams left. They're just right. – you'll get spin about how this kid's really good and, oh, he's a sleeper. And, yeah, they flipped him from Wake Forest or somebody like that and – no, he's really actually really good, which is like, well, then why didn't you recruit him earlier than now, you know, when right. sorry guys are leaving? You'll get that spin, but I mean it it's if they can't convince CJ to stay in the class, it's gonna be a big, a big hit. 
It's a huge loss. It's going to be a big hit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Super chat. Let's see if we got any more here before we get out of here. Because we got another show tonight, Brian. Yes, we do. We will have another show tonight at 8 o'clock. It is going to be our Upon Further Review. We're going to talk a little bit about the Notre Dame-Stanford game. Vince is going to kind of give his thoughts about it since he didn't give a chance to do that last night. And then we're going to talk about this wild weekend of college football. And we'll focus more on what happened on the field, how that impacts Notre Dame's playoff resume, what needs to happen sort of next week. We'll talk about that tonight. We'll also talk about that again on Tuesday night after the ranking show. And then we will do a preview later this weekend, later this week. We will preview the championship games, the matchups and all those type of things. And kind of do our final, okay, what needs to happen this weekend? Because there's a lot of different scenarios that get Notre Dame in the playoff, but the reality is they now need more than just Alabama to lose to Georgia, in my right. opinion. Yep. I, I think they need more than that. But we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll have a better idea of that Tuesday night if Notre Dame is still ahead of Baylor on Tuesday night, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. We'll find that out on Tuesday night. But Notre Dame did their last – they made their last uh, – you know, made their last statement last night, and we'll talk about that before we dive into it all. So thanks, everybody, for joining the show today. We appreciate you all very much, and we will talk to you all at about 8 o'clock. And then, of course, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. So 8 o'clock, so you got about two and a half hours to relax, take a deep breath, get some dinner, and come back and join us at 8 o'clock. So uh, we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.